Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. All right, we're getting close to the end of the season, guys. Uh, there have been some doozies in the bowl matchup so far this year. Uh, the coaching carousel is wide open. The transfer portal is even more wide open. And I'm thinking uh, that regulation is coming sooner rather than later because there's been some bonkers stuff going on. What's up, Trash Talkers? Welcome back to the College Football Roundtable, or if you prefer, Ring Knocker Radio, or you can just call us two O's and an NCO these days. I'm Rob, the Angry Colonel, calling out the center of the universe here at Fort Bragg. We've got Dano E. Cabeza out of Coastal Connecticut and 13 and 0 Trigger Joe at the home of the big house. How's it going today, guys? And uh, what have you been watching? Or is anything that kind of got your uh, attention during the bowl season so far this year? Yeah, man. Uh, it's I probably haven't watched quite as much uh, college football as I thought that I would. Um, I think I told you guys I was going skiing. We ended up skiing three days like all around Christmas. So I have seen a lot more snow than I have seen college football. Um, my overall impression is that teams that finished the season hot stayed hot. And even if that means your air force playing Baylor, you're still being hot is more important than being in the big 12. And, uh, you know, I was surprised that Troy pulled it out over UTSA. Uh, thought the Roadrunners had the better team for most of the game, but the Trojans won. Um, same thing for middle Tennessee state over San Diego state. Like that was insane. Um, of the bowls that I've seen, probably the Boca Raton Bowl, Toledo over Liberty was my favorite. I uh, thought the way Toledo was running the option offense was really interesting and thought I saw some elements there that I'm expecting to see in Army's new offense. So there's a tease. Yeah. How about you, Joe? Yeah. You know, early on, I kind of take these games with a grain of salt, but I, I love seeing Eastern Michigan get a win over San Jose state. They gave me a little bit of love coming out of high school and actually we're at some of my games recruiting me. So I always like seeing do, them do well. Plus it's EMU. It's been a while. Um, Arkansas and Kansas and the triple OT thriller the other night was a great one. Um, you know, and I'm so bad at remembering the bowl name is probably because there's 67,000 of them now, but uh, UNC covered that 14. Mm. I knew when that yeah. line came out, I was like, dude, Oregon, is gonna Oregon and Drake May will light you up. And uh, I just I, I I saw Oregon winning that game by one score, so love seeing that. And uh, Minnesota took care of business in the first uh, real you know decent matchup for the Big Ten today against Syracuse. And right now, yeah, uh, Oklahoma's punched Florida State in the mouth in the first half and is up three. So oh, I gotta turn that play. one on. I I have not been tracking that. I've, screwing around with dinner what i would never have picked that not a million years dogs and they're up three so yeah Yeah. it's it's been interesting i think guys sitting out has had an impact on it you know of course and that's always going to happen so it's kind of predictable that uh you're going to see a dip when some of your skill players take a take a day off but you know those guys got to protect their future i get it particularly now with name image and likeness like if i don't think the bowl game is worth the tv time i might take any even if i'm like a junior you know, just to not jeopardize uh, any injuries or whatever. And Joe and I were talking about that earlier, watching guys, you know, get injured in a bowl game that kind of changes the trajectory of their career in the pros. But uh, 
We'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into this. Like, again, I've watched a lot of second half of games because the first half is kind of like, nah, who cares? It's a bowl game. They'll work it out. And then the second half is usually pretty interesting. So I caught the second half of the, the Syracuse game, of course, which looked pretty good and really anticipating what's going on this weekend. But uh, in short, I pulled these numbers around noon today. So this is the standings of the bowl wins by conference so far. The American has seven teams in. They are three and three, so they're at 500. The ACC has nine teams in. They are three and one. Uh, Big 12 had eight. They are one and three. The Big 10 is one and oh. Uh, Conference USA is three and three. The Independents are two and two. Army being the only one that didn't make it in, really. And uh, the MAC is three and two. Mountain West is three and three. Pac 12 is two and one. SEC is one and three. And the Sun Belt, believe it or not, is three and four, but they put seven teams in. So that's pretty impressive. And like we said, like wow. the the group of five teams are starting to pick it up. So when you start looking at some of the the also rounds or the guys on the outside looking in, they're showing up for these bowl games because that's really their only opportunity really to get TV time. And the other part of it is now with the transfer portal being open, hey man, it it makes uh that postseason win. Uh, that much more dangerous because once you close out the season, you can bounce to another team. And uh, speaking of that, there's some huge moves so far. So Grayson McCall is out. He's no longer going to be at, uh, what is it, freaking Coastal, Coastal. Carolina. Yeah, I, I said Coastal all year and screwed it up, and now I can't even think about it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so Grayson McCall is gone. Sam Hartman is on the move. He is in the transfer portal. Rumor has it he's going to land at Notre Dame, which is bonkers. You know, because wow. a guy of that caliber jumping schools, like that's going to be a huge dip for Wake Forest's offense. And, and hey, if if they can figure out a system that they can use that guy in, like the guy's got a cannon. He's he's going to be playing on Sundays and uh, Notre Dame will probably get him there a little bit better than Wake Forest. But uh, I know Joe's watching the transfer portal pretty heavy. Uh, what do you think about Michigan's oh. move so far? <laughs> Well, they're number one in the transfer portal, so you can't <laughs> ask for any better. Um, you know, the sack master out of Coastal that they got, and I'll screw his name up, but everybody wanted him. Uh, Drake Nugent and Chris Hinton's brother out of Stanford, offensive tackle and a center to replace Timmy, And then uh, Ladarius Washington out of Arizona State, another huge offensive tackle that's projected to play on Sundays. So Michigan's pretty much uh, figured out what they want to do in the transfer portal, and that is replace our departing linemen and they've done it twice now and won the Joe Moore award two years back to back. So they've, I think they've figured out a glitch in the matrix with this whole thing about replacing linemen. Um, mm. Maybe you only have to coach up half of them and the rest of them you can get at the end of the year. And yeah. uh, it's worked out really well for him. I mean, Ola was won the Outland trophy and he's the first Wolverine since I think 90 or no, I'm sorry, 86 to win that. And uh, that's, yeah. that's a big deal at Michigan. Yeah, so when you start looking at when you start looking at that, you know, it, there's something to be said about consistency of play and having the same offensive unit together. However, a, a well-experienced guy, junior or senior coming into your program, that's instant leadership and if he's been playing or starting that long, you know the guy has some some talent that can uh, transfer over, especially if he's coming through the portal. Uh if you're looking at the top positions right now, uh guys that are in the portal, most of them are skill players. You've got a, a Bunch of dudes, of course. Surprise, surprise from JSU. You got five stars moving over to Colorado because of uh, Coach Sanders moving over there. Uh, you've got uh, Ernest Hausman transferred from Nebraska to Michigan. He's a linebacker. You got uh, Denver Harris, cornerback. Uh, Again, he went from Texas A&M to LSU, and it, I think we're still going to see more of this. You know, it, number five, of course, we were talking about is uh, you know with a bullet. 
is Sam Hartman. He's out and he's open, so we don't know where he's going to. Devin Leary, the quarterback from uh, NC State, transferred out too. So, like, you're seeing a lot of guys just pick up and move. And when you're looking at the top ten, you know, the top five guys are are defensive players. But, you know, five through seven, eight, nine, and ten are all offensive players, right? So they're all moving on to different places and probably looking at places that have a better scheme that they can plug into. But, like, I can tell you for for certain – Coastal Carolina and Wake Forest are hurting because their QBs are now gone. Dan, you got something? Yeah, it's just it, it's a little interesting to talk about the culture of, the, of these programs. I mean, you know, you got Texas A&M that brought in that monster recruiting class, all these five stars, and you know, built it through NIL. Then they go on this losing run, and suddenly everybody's leaving the, the program. I mean, that is a bad look for that coaching staff. Um, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out over time. Yeah, and I know Jimbo is, was catching heat at the beginning of the season, too, because he was talking crap about how Alabama does it. But uh, clearly something is going on inside the, that locker room that are making yeah. players leave. So, yeah, I mean, dudes don't want to hear it. Yeah. And you're Texas A&M. You're in the SEC. I mean, that's that's the gateway to a championship. At least it has been for many, many years. But now, you know, things are starting to change. We can see the landscape moving. But with the transfer portal, man, these guys are jumping ship in, in droves. And I think that's going to end up hurting these teams that, uh, you know, may have these storied programs five or ten years ago, but uh, they don't have the ability to win. And I think all the departures from Texas A&M is purely because they bought in all this talent. I've got all these five stars in competition trying to play different positions, and then we still lost. Like, what gives? You know, I think it's an embarrassment of riches for them, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh for me, like I said, watching quite a few bowl games, but like this is when I start getting excited. As we start closing in on New Year's, that's when I get excited because that's when the bigger bowl games are showing up, and these are the ones that are most notable, and that's purely because more of the guys are not going to sit out. But we will pause very, very quickly and toss it back over to Joe for his Blue Falcon of the week. You teased it again. <laughs> but see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate and argue for the other side here. Um I I will say this, it's more of a rant, but isn't it strange how much these players have transitioned college football to mimic the pros inside of two years? Mm, Yeah. And isn't it incredible? They're all getting paid. They're all playing at multiple universities. It's no big deal. That's a thing now. Um, So so my issue is this, all right? If you've got the NIL in place, we're talking about like the top one percentile of players that really have a real – decision to make as to whether or not it's worthwhile for them to sit out in their bowl game because of the NIL. If it's not about the NIL and you're on a New Year's Six bowl game, are you telling me that half of Alabama's roster is going to sit out then because they're playing on Sundays? Because I don't think that's true. And, and at some point, I've, what I was talking to Colonel Rob about on the phone, it's like, it's got to be you join something bigger than yourself. Mm. And I feel like they're moving away from that. So my Blue Falcon is the player that sits out a New Year's Six game simply because it's the easier route. Mm. You know, I remember a year, and I always go back to Michigan football, but Chase Winovich played his entire last season at Michigan, hurt for the last four games, and hurt badly. And they asked him in the Ohio State game, which they lost, will you be out there? And he said, you'll have to kill me. And then in the bowl game, after they lost to Ohio State and the season was done in most Michigan fans' eyes, did he sit out? No. Um, still playing in the NFL, still playing in the league, didn't hurt him any. I get that there's always that risk of injury, but 
But that's the risk you've taken for the last 14 weeks. And right now, there's more people than just your family dependent on you. You know, the rest of the team is, and their families are too. So I feel like at some point, if you bring, if you know you bring a dynamic to the team, like Eric Gray sitting out today for Oklahoma, he's a huge part of that offense. And to me, part of it is a mask for laziness. I'm sorry. Like, all right, it's just going to be easier to sit that last game out and start training for the combine. Of course it is. But at what point is the team more important than the individual? And, th- and that's really what it is. It's not necessarily a blue falcon. It's, it's more of a rant about, like, don't don't lose the majesty of college football to sound corny. You know, and th- and that's that's basically my point, is the, the guy that sits out when he's hurting the team more than he's helping himself that to me is a blue falcon in definition. So that that's my rant. Yeah, and notable. I sorry, sense. sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to note that all of Alabama's players are playing in the bowl game against K State. That's that's the bowl right. game with our nobody sitting out, which is pretty interesting, right? It's, right. Yeah. Because yeah. because otherwise that matchup isn't interesting to me at all. No. I mean, no, absolutely. Yeah, Kansas. Right. Yeah, because because like if Bama is missing half their roster, then Bama can't do what Bama does. You know what I mean? And so that would change the trajectory of that game. And and I'm surprised that uh, a lot of these guys are, are 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 sitting out. I can see like like even a couple of years ago when Missouri was playing Army, I can see like they're starting running back. He's like, yeah, I, I'm gonna sit out of this one. And for two reasons. One, we know that the Army team is tougher than they look. We're going to get beat up, and I don't want – yeah, like like seriously, I don't want to get my ass kicked, you know, in the last game of the season and potentially get injured. And so I can completely understand that. But, you know, look at Air Force against Baylor. I guarantee you Baylor didn't send anybody out, you know, because if they did, they paid for it, and they paid for it hugely. And, again, when it comes to name, image, and likeness and recruiting and everything else, you have to put your best foot forward because, again – People are at home right now. Their Saturdays aren't busy. It's on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. If you aren't playing well in these bowl games, you're actually hurting your recruiting because, again, the recency effect is, hey, the last thing I saw is going to be the most important thing that I remember. So if I you know, go out there and lay an egg like Oregon did, mm-hmm. then people are going to be like, well, I don't want to go play for them because these guys keep dropping games at the end of the season. And and I think that's a trend that uh, we'll see even more as uh, you know, NIL gets more firm but uh let's talk service academies real quick and coaching moves dana what you got yeah so um army had an offensive coordinator change we're gonna obviously talk about this much more on the other show but brent davis the longtime oc at the black for the black knights is out uh they're moving to a co-offensive coordinator system um former university of nebraska kearney assistant coach uh drew thatcher will be the new offensive coordinator and then uh, Army tight ends coach Matt Drinkle will be the co-offensive coordinator. Uh, we believe Thatcher is going to call the plays. Um, it looks like they're going to go to a new look for the for the offense. And uh, you know, James from Brigade Review is doing sort of a deep dive on what that's going to look like. So if you're interested in that, that's a tease. Look for that over the next. I'm not sure next few months probably. Um, it ain't you ain't going to see it until the next season. So um, open question: What it's going to look like uh, on the screaming goat side? Navy fired longtime coach Ken Niamatololo. He is out. Uh, Brian Newberry, the former uh, Navy defensive coordinator, is now the head coach. Um, I, You know, it, it has to be a personal thing, right? Because you keep Brian Newberry to try to keep all your recruits and all your players and really not shake up the system too much. But 
clearly, you know, the, the athletic director didn't want Niamatololo in there anymore. Um, it looks like they're going to have a decent team next year, or at least they would have with Coach Ken. So who knows? Um, you know, yeah, I, Rob's got in here that as an Army fan, he hopes that Navy is entering their Todd Berry phase. I don't necessarily think we're going to see that, but, man, I wouldn't mind watching them struggle for 10 years. Um, Air Force yeah. held on to Troy Calhoun. I'm a little surprised about that. I thought that this might be the year. Dude, what is it about Calhoun? How many times does he have to win 10 games and beat some Power 5 school to prove anything to anybody? But, you know, he's been very successful for the Zoomies. Not necessarily anybody from Army's favorite guy, but, whoa. Um, then coaching carousel, uh, we talked about Deion Sanders to Colorado. Matt Rule is now the head coach at Nebraska from the Panthers. That strikes me as a pretty good move back from the pros. Uh, Luke Fickle from Cincinnati to Wisconsin. Um, Hugh Freeze has gone from Liberty to Auburn. And finally, Jeff Brom has gone from Purdue to Louisville. That's a weird move. That seems like a lateral at best. So I don't know what that's about. But what can you do? That's all I got. Yeah. Hey, thoughts on, on these big coaching moves, guys? What do you think? I mean – Hugh Freeze was getting $4 million a year from Liberty. So what is he making now at, at Auburn? Holy smokes. And uh, Jeff brought, I'm, I'm really surprised you go from Purdue to Louisville. Like that's, that's a weird one to me. Yeah. I, I mean, it, uh, particularly like from a defensive perspective or, or, you know, the spoiler makers, man, you built that reputation. You had that yeah. reputation as a team that could win and knock off some big name opponents in the big 10. Like, why would you give that up? Because I, I, I just don't see like, okay, if it was Louisville for four or five years ago when Lamar Jackson was there, like, absolutely. Like I would jump on that train and twice on Sunday, but it's Louisville from this season, which wasn't very impressive. Joe, you look like you got some thoughts, man. Well, well you're also, you're also looking at a different academic standard at Louisville. So I'm just saying it's a little easier to to recruit being that far down south and uh, Purdue is an academic institution. So I'll just give them that much credit. But I do agree. I don't even believe it's a lateral move. I think it's a step down. Um, but Luke Fickle coming back to the Big Ten, it should be interesting to see if he thinks there was pressure to win at Cincinnati. Wait till he gets to Madison because they're not going to put up with too many seasons of him misfiring and he's going to have to play you know, some teams from Michigan and Ohio State side every year. I don't know if he's going to get to skip out like half those teams on that side do on Ohio State or or skip out on Michigan, but he's going to have to play one of them and uh, he's going to have to do better than he did when he was at Ohio State. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think it's a good hire, but, um, you know, Madison is a place where he's going to have to win. He's going to have to win quick. So I, I do think he's a good coach, but it's just, Interesting coming from Ohio State back all the way around to Wisconsin. So uh, they'll be watching that one. It is interesting, too. You know, Cincinnati's moving up to the Big 12. So now you're going from the Big 12 to the Big 10 and a program that you built. And I'm sure the money's better at Wisconsin. Certainly, it's a bigger, more prestigious program in general. But you have an opportunity to, like, make your freaking reputation at Cincinnati in a way that I'm not sure that you do at Wisconsin. Yeah, well, uh, my only thought on it is is him as a head coach because he's more of a defensive guy. You know, he's a defensive and special teams guy, so he's done defense and special teams as a coach. So I think he'll bring that flavor to Wisconsin, which is something that they've been missing because those guys always can pull out a Melvin Gordon out of somewhere. You know, they're always going to have a, a running back that's a five-star, four, four or five-star recruit that's going to show up. So offensively, if they don't make very many changes, if he can tighten up the defense and the special teams, then maybe, you know, Wisconsin is is – close 
in the next couple of years of getting to the Big Ten championship. But again, like the road goes through either, you know, Ann Arbor or Columbus. And that is a tough road to hoe for for a Wisconsin team. And they have to be really, really good. I can't even remember the last time Wisconsin beat Ohio State or Michigan in a head-to-head matchup. Yeah, they've I know got to pull a five-star offensive tackle again, like they did the last four or five years. You know, they stopped doing that. Yeah. So it shows. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, like, again, these moves, Hugh Freeze going to, to down south, man. I, I mean, I get it. It puts more eyeballs on you. And then, of course, the vicious rumor that came out today, which I thought was laughable because it's not true, but uh, the Denver Broncos started talking about, hey, we'll talk to Saban and bring him here as the head coach in oh, uh, the Lord. Mile High City. Yeah, it, it it's 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 straight clickbait. You know, somebody put it out there just to just to be inflammatory. But I, I don't think we'll ever see Nick Saban back in the pros. I think he's comfortable where he is at Alabama. I think he's gonna he's gonna try and be the next Bear Bryant and just coach until uh, they make him leave or he decides to retire. Because I don't think he's gonna leave. Plus, but, uh, John Elway is not hiring Nick Saban. That's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. fair point. All right, so we're going to move on to basically the games of the weekend rather than the games of the week because these are the only two matchups that matter for us uh, as players. I know that there's some other games that are going to be on this week. There's a couple big ones. The Alamo Bowl looks pretty good. I mean, I, I looked at the uh, the line on that one. looks pretty interesting. We've got some decent games coming up, but, like, again, the ones I'm really hanging my hat on are going to be the, the, the playoff games this weekend. But, but like when you look at the the rest of the slate, and I'm not going to go particularly in any specific order, but right now you've got Oklahoma up 14-11 on Florida State. They're punching them in the face. You got Texas and Washington playing later on tonight. You've got Maryland and NC State kicking tomorrow at noon. You've got uh, Pitt and UCLA kicking tomorrow at noon. The spread on that one seven and a half. You got Notre Dame and South Carolina. That one's going to be a good one. I will probably yes, sit down is. and actually watch yeah. that game. Because Sprinter Rattler, man, that guy turned into like Fuego the, the last few games of the season. And it'll be interesting to see Notre Dame, what kind of offense they come out in, particularly thinking if you're trying to court Sam Hartman, you better be throwing a hell of a lot more than you did all season. So it'll be interesting to see how that matchup looks like. I think that'll be a duel of quarterbacks either way. But uh, then you got Ohio and Wyoming. That one's mildly interesting, but it still should be a decent game. Uh, it's actually going to be on Barstool Sports, so if you have that as a as a package on your cable, check that one out. Huh. Tennessee and Clemson, I think that will be a good one. That's a night game on ESPN. Uh, we'll see if Tennessee can bounce back even without Hendon Hooker. They're still a pretty decent team, and of course, you know, we'll see how uh, Clemson can play without DJ. I, I mean, I think he made a rash decision by jumping into the transfer portal after getting benched, but Hey, we'll see what happens. Batman KSU, we already talked about one that kicks at noon on Saturday. You got Iowa and the University of Kentucky. That should be an interesting game. Probably better matchup on the wrestling mats than it is in uh, football. <laughs> but hey, whatever. And then uh, getting into the big ones. So we got TCU 12-1 and against Michigan. And I'm surprised on both of these games. And then Ohio State, uh, I'm sorry, Michigan and TCU kicks at four. Then you get about a 30-minute break to throw some food down your neck and drink a couple beers. And then you've got Ohio State against UGA at 8 o'clock. Guys, what are your thoughts on these games? We'll kick it over to Dan to kind of preview the Georgia-Ohio State game. What are your thoughts on that one? I mean, 
Ohio State has a potentially outstanding passing game with Marvin Harrison Jr. And, you know, they, they, they've got the, the great quarterback and everything. But do they have a way to stop Georgia's pass rush? You know, I was looking at some highlights of that today. And Georgia's front seven is just totally elite. Um, if if OSU can protect the quarterback and sort of establish a run game, which is a thing they were not necessarily doing at the end of the year, then they they probably have offense to hang with Georgia. And in fact, Georgia's offense gets a little stagnant considering the amount of talent that they have. But I do not believe that that's what will happen. I believe that what will happen is that Georgia's defense will eat them up. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, my thoughts on it is if Ohio State healed up and get some kind of some semblance of a running game, I think it's a, it's a different contest. I think that was the the big discriminator for Ohio State going into the Michigan game. And so, you know, this is one of those times where having a bunch of time off actually will be helpful as far as getting people healthy. But again, uh, if, you know, C.J. Stroud comes out flat in the first half, which he does after they have a little bit of time off, it could that could be the difference in the game. You know, he can make a mental mistake, interception or whatever. Joe, I know you got thoughts. Uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, you know, I think that um, Ohio State actually puts it all together. I don't think they lay an egg, and I think this game, uh, I, th- I think it goes to overtime, and Georgia wins. I, I just, I, I see Ohio State finally putting it all together, hitting a couple of big bombs to two receivers that are going to play on Sundays, and C.J. Stroud not letting that be his last game. I mean, that after that Michigan game, I honestly felt bad for the kid, hmm. but he was done in his mind, and it's like, we'll see. We'll see how much heart you got. And I think that he comes out and he plays his butt off. I've seen Georgia look human. Um, I don't think they lose, but I think Ohio State gives them all they can handle, maybe jumps out to an early lead on them, and uh, we see a, a barn burner. That'd be great. Yeah, I, don't know uh, if, I don't know if I believe it, but I, that would be great. That'd be very exciting. Be good for yeah, football. Uh, yeah, I think previous precedent eight years ago, God, God forbid, you know, Ohio State was coming in in the basically in the same position. You know what I mean? The only thing is they didn't get punched in the face going into the tail end of the season as they did. They lost early when they uh, beat Bama in the the championship. But I think that or yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty legit contest for them. And again, I think the the Buckeyes if they heal up and if they have flat first halves, this is going to be an interesting game in the second half. I think it's going to be settled by field goal to be honest. Whether that be in overtime or in regulation, it'll be three or less. And I legitimately think uh, that's going to be the game to watch, to be honest, because uh, moving into the next contest, TCU and Michigan, we'll let uh, Joe kind of lead off here. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, what are your thoughts on uh, TCU and Michigan? Well, I won't start off with what everybody else is starting off with. Uh, I'll say what would keep TCU in this football game. Hmm. There's two things you've got to do. Uh, first of all, let them run because they're going to get their guards. Um, don't let them hit the deep pass and make Michigan beat you with the intermediate pass game and somehow simplify their offense long enough to hang 35 on them. No one's done that all year. Max Duggan, as long as that kid's putting one foot in front of the other. I would never count him out of the game. I love watching that guy play. Um, I, I do think that Michigan is too dynamic on offense. Um, I do think that they're going to be able to move the ball. The also, also, the other thing is TCU is going to have to have a lead at halftime. 
if this game is even within one score to Michigan's favor, forget about it in the second half. They're not a team you're going to outgas. They've had three games where they were losing at halftime. They won them all by over 20 points. One of them, they won by 30. Okay, they're a second-half team. They've proven it all year long. And with J.J. hitting his passes and finally linking up with Cornelius Johnson, they're on a rhythm. And uh, who knows? You talk about getting healthy. Donovan Edwards takes that cast off his hand, and he's the best receiving back I've ever seen at Michigan. He couldn't catch a pass against Ohio State, and he still rattled off 225. So I don't think TC will be able to contain that enough. I think Michigan covers. I don't think it's a blowout. I think Michigan covers like uh, 38-24, and they just kind of pull away third quarter, goes in close at the half, and uh, they do what they did against Ohio State and close it out in the third. Yeah, that's fair. Nano, what about you? Yeah, I feel like we've seen TCU's ceiling against K-State. Like, they're a good team. They can definitely score a lot of points, um, but they don't have the world's greatest defense. And in a game like this, trying to outscore a really good team in Michigan, like, it reminds me of all the old AFC versus NFC Super Bowls back in the day when, you know, in the 80s, you'd see some pass-happy AFC team, usually the Bills, come out against a defensive heavy, heavy NFC team that would just kick their asses. And, and if that's mm-hmm. not what happens, I'll be surprised. Um, yeah, I like I, TCU, I, but yeah. I legitimately think like this is going to come down to quarterback play, right? If JJ is if JJ keeps his head on straight like he has the last few weeks, that's uh, easy road for Michigan. If he gets rattled. And it becomes a duel between, you know, Max Duggan and JJ who's struggling, then that's going to be an interesting contest because Duggan's a beast, man. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody doubts one, the, the heart of that kid, literally, and then the ability to, to close out games. And I, I still think in that uh, Big 12 championship, had they not taken a knee and tried to intentionally play for overtime, and, and everybody knows this, like, if, if, if you've ever played any sport, ever in your life you don't play not to lose you play to win if you're Mm, playing to win yeah if you're playing to win i think that the outcome of that game against k-state would have been slightly different because duggan yeah he might have been smoked you know took you guys down you were over midfield all right then pull him let him catch his breath throw him on an oxygen tank and let the backup do his thing like hey look (laughs) here's your chance to stand the man you know let's finish the game out but I think diving into the, you know, diving into the psyche of it all is probably what's going to going to be the difference. Like whichever quarterback shows up and plays the best game, and I think that's in all four of these contests. Whichever quarterback has the best game, that's the team that's going to win. You know, maybe not statistically it's going to be like that one smart decision like, "Hey, I throw the ball away rather than trying to throw it in traffic." Or mm-hmm. I tuck it in and run it when, you know, I don't normally do that. I think that's going to be the biggest difference in both of these contests, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing the end of it. So, without further ado, we will give your predictions for the college football playoff final on January 9th. What two teams are we seeing? Dan, you first. Yeah, um, Georgia and Michigan. You know, Ohio State probably does have the best chance of anyone against Georgia, but I just think Georgia's defense is too good. Um, and like I said, we've seen TCU ceiling. Um, I've never had an issue with who's in the playoff, but I think that there are clearly two better teams and then two other teams that, you know, one of them lost their championship game and one didn't even make it to their championship game. Like, what are you going to do? It is what it is. Joe, how about you? Yeah, I've got Georgia and Michigan. Um, 
I do believe Ohio State has a better game than they did against Michigan. But as Dano already said, Georgia, you're going to have to play perfect. And I think Georgia knows what they're playing for. Um, they've got a true tested leader in Stetson Bennett. And uh, Michigan, I think they just, you know, they, they outscore and they, they bully TCU in the trenches. And that's another thing about that game that I think is going to be a big mismatch is the size of our offensive line. Um, but a fun fact about Max Duggan, he ran a 21 flat 200 meter in high school. So he may look like he's lumbering, but dude can fly. So if Michigan doesn't put the clamps down on him running the ball, you know, it could be a very interesting game. But I think Michigan knows what they're dealing with with him, um, puts the same kind of uh, spy they did on C.J. Stroud and gets the job done. And uh, I'm not betting against Michigan at all for the rest of the year. Um, so I know everyone will t- probably take Georgia if that's the case, but I'm going to roll with my Wolverines who will be 14 and 0 at that point because they haven't got the L yet. So I can't lose faith in them then. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to be the, uh, like I'm going to be the dark horse guy. I would be the even super dark horse guy if I said TCU and Ohio State, but I think that that, that would be madness, and you would be checking what prescription drugs I'm using. So plus three thousand on Fanduel. Yeah, <laughs> like legitimate, legitimately, I think Ohio State does have a chance. We've seen them in this situation before. I think they'll be able to put it together. I think, like Joe said, they'll play a much better game. I am going to call a rematch of the game in the college football playoff championship with Michigan edging them by 10 because healthy running game for the Buckeyes. I think that's going to be the difference against Georgia. I think, you know, the way to keep Stetson Bennett off the field is keeping Stetson Bennett off the field. And so if they have a running game, they're going to uh, put the clamps on him and force him to play pressure ball. And I don't think uh, he likes to be played under pressure. And then the other part of it is, is name a defensive backfield anywhere in the country that is going to be able to stop Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, that's fair. It, it's it's not about the backfield. It's definitely about the front seven. I agree with you on that one, but uh, we'll see. Um, that's that's not crazy. I, I am curious to know if you're the network, like you're broadcasting this thing and you're trying to draw the biggest numbers, would you rather have a rematch of Michigan-Ohio State or Georgia-Michigan? Georgia-Michigan. You think so? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah I just think because Georgia, of the money that you'd lose out on the South and the SEC if they didn't get, come in. But sorry yeah. about that, Carmel. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. And, and and I absolutely agree. Like honestly, like if I'm programming this, if I'm programming this money wise, I want to see two separate teams from two separate conferences play. And I don't care which two conferences it is. So if it's Ohio State and TCU, that's a great game. That's a great matchup because you know those guys will hang about a bajillion points if those two actually did make it to the playoff. You know, if it's Georgia and Michigan, I think think of the first matchup with Kirby and Nick Saban in the championship game. I think it's going to be that close. I, I legitimately think it'll be that close because, again, like Georgia has two secret weapons and everybody knows who they are. It's their tight ends. And those guys are game breakers. And I think legitimately if those two dudes get hot, I don't know who could. You know, I mean, it, it's it's basically is Brock Bowers or you know Marvin Harrison Jr. going to have the career game? Maybe mm. both of them do, yeah. <laughs> and that would be fright. You know, that would be great for us as fans. That'd be frightening for the defensive coaches. But I legitimately think, like between those two players, there's just there's so much talent on the field that uh, this is going to be uh, like this is one of the most anticipated playoffs that I've seen in a while. Just because I'm excited, you know, like the last time I was really following it, and it was like, okay, well, you know, who's going to win? 
and you're watching it, and you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm not so surprised that LSU ran the table, you know, a few years ago. But yeah. like this, it's 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 the teams are just good enough that uh, there's going to be some good games because again, I think you know last year was kind of a fluke. I think honestly for Michigan, they had a uh, they had the emotional high going into the playoff because like who did they play last year, Iowa. It was like a scrimmage in the Big Twelve championship for them, and so they kind of just carried a little bit of momentum into that game and then they fell flat when they played in the in the uh playoff game. I don't think they're going to have that same kind of mentality this year as Joe and I were talking earlier. I legitimately think that no. this team is a lot more mature than they were last season and I honestly think the big difference between last year's team and this year's team is they actually believe in their coach. You know, I legitimately yeah. think I like Jim Harbaugh has made a believer of everyone in college football. You yeah, know, two years ago he was on the hot seat, and people were were like, "How long is he going to be here?" And where are we now? It's crazy. Oh, oh how the tide yeah. has turned! But you know, it looks like he it looks like he's finally got in place what he wants to have in place. And uh, yeah, man, it's 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 a lot of fun to be a Michigan fan right now. Yeah, and, and I, I think this weekend is just going to be another one of those like wild weekends in college football. So hey, four, two. O's and an NCO. We're going to be closing out the show. This will be our second to the last one. So this is our, what is it? Our pentanad. I can't even say it. Forget about it. I was trying to be, <laughs> trying to be all fancy and use church and use a uh, big college words, but I can't use them today. Anyway, uh, the penultimate, there we go. This is our penultimate episode. So like Dr. Dr. Colonel Rob. Yeah. Drink with there your pinky go. up guys. <laughs> 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 but uh, we're, we're closing this thing out. So it's a, uh, Rob, the angry colonel out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. We've got uh, Dano Ikebesa coming out of coastal Connecticut and 13 and 0, hoping to be 14 and 0. Trigger Joe coming out of the home of the big house. Yeah. Hey, this has been a great season. We love it. We got one more for you. We'll do a post blast of uh, the championship game. So that'll be around the 9th or the 10th of January. And then we are going to be in full off season mode. However, if you have. Anybody that you know that wants to be a corporate sponsor for this show, let us know because we're going to add a corporate sponsor to this. We've been co-promoting this with uh, the Veteran Trash Talk Hour. Kind of let the uh, the other half see how the O's do it. You know, they have great programming, and I appreciate Joe coming on this season. He's been a great asset to the team, and we love to cross-promote with those guys because, again, their mission is just as important as uh, getting the word out about Army football and service academies and everything else. But uh, they truly give, you know, a large portion of their profits to stop veteran suicide. And since we are in the holiday season, if you have not done it already, reach out to a friend that you haven't talked to in a while because uh, a lot of people are hurting. And, you know, the statistics are 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 scary on the number of people that, uh, you know, have a mishap. Or some kind of crazy family thing happened over the holidays. So, you know, don't forget in your celebration of uh, your college football to uh, reach out to your buddy and just text him, even if he's a Michigan fan or a, <laughs> or if his team is or if his team is sitting at home, you know, since uh, Christmas. But uh, reach out to them. And, hey, we appreciate you guys uh, checking us out. And we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Beat them. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Tune in next week as the AFF team brings you more hot takes and college football analysis. We'd like to thank our sponsor, BuyerBarn.com. BuyerBarn.com is the world's first platform to perform online auctions and sales for farm animals. 
Firebarn.com is dedicated to helping small farmers in America and are extending a special discount to military veterans who want to help in the revolution of the family farm. Go to Firebarn.com forward slash military. That's Firebarn.com, B-Y-R-E-B-A-R-N.com to learn more and to get started or email them at info at Firebarn.com. Thanks again for listening to Ask for Football College Football Roundtable and as always, Beat Navy.